Hey there, if you like this show, you can support it. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv to find out how. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a nightmare newborn's favorite. <laughs> Binky. Binky. Yep. yep. <laughs> and this week we are reading your responses to Yahar Ghoul, the unseen village. Uh, Steve Gaynor had to uh, had to run, but we are super grateful that he joined us for the main body of the episode. If you haven't listened to that, go and check it out because it was a good time. Yeah, and he's he's great. <laughs> good night. Secret. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that guy. Um, yeah, so I'll go ahead and get started here with uh, Kilo. Uh, it says via contact. God damn this is this god damn is this place hard. Uh, especially those three hunters in the chapers chapel above them <laughs> in the chapters. In the chapers. Hello, and with three hunters we are. Um, especially those three hunters in the chapel above the jail. A right bunch of circus Charlies, that lot. <laughs> that said. I felt like this brought me back to that true Soulsian challenge. Barely inching around corners, mad dashes to kill the bell ringers, and suicide runs just to open a door or to get an item. I was tense and stressed the whole way through, and I loved it. Yeah, that kind of contributed to me not really liking this area the first time through. I thought it was way too hard. Uh, but then I realized eventually that uh, that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. I, I wonder if I would have felt better if the items would have been worth it. Yeah. Like, uh, that... Like I, I know I keep harping on that, but I just don't know how how much that impacted my my enjoyment of Bloodborne on the whole. Where like I would do those things, I would make these suicide runs. It's like, oh great, a fucking sage's wrist. <laughs> Fuck you, game. Um, I don't want this thing. Give me a uh, sage's bracelet. Let let it make me do cool shit. Yeah, let let it do something. Like I and and it just it made that that suicide run, which I was doing too, just feel bad. Yeah. Um, you know, just felt like kicked while I was down. Yeah. Um, but it, I do in the end I grown to appreciate this level as well as, as we uh, kind of uh, enumerated in the last episode. Yeah. Alex writes in via the contact forum saying the return, the, the return trip to Yahargul is so, so good in terms of visual design In a game full of Lovecraftian sets. This level nailed it the hardest. I think the walls made of people, the impenetrable monster designs and the cramped paths all work together in a very striking way to create an environment that is genuinely nightmarish as opposed to the literal nightmare, which is weird but kind of boring. I love that the encounters are set up to force you to keep moving at all costs, so the terrific design is enhanced by not allowing you to get a clear look at it. Yeah, that's a, that's a really similar to a point I, I made in the last episode. I, mm-hmm. I don't read these before we record. Yep. Um, so yeah, me and Alex are of a piece. Mm-hmm. Me and Alex on the same wavelength. I'm doing that thing where I point <laughs> at my eyes, yeah. and then I point as if I'm pointing to two other eyes. <laughs> like you and me, buddy. Uh, <laughs> well, that's kind of a bold assumption that he has two eyes. I guess that's true. I check my pri- my eye privilege. Yeah, yeah. I've got a lifetime supply right here sitting in my face. Uh, uh, Robin says via contact. This was hands down my favorite area in the game. Bloodborne is able to mess with your mind like few other video games can. The combination of torturous pathways, respawning enemies, unexpected teleportation, and unsettling whispering left me feeling like I should be rolling a D100 for a sanity check. To top it all off, the boss was a wonderful throwback to the Tower Knight. I really suck at boss battles. I'm cheesy as hell and nearly always get help. But this guy was one I can manage on my own with huge satisfaction. All on a wonderfully disorienting and challenging level, dripping with madness and mayhem. Love it. Agreed. 
yeah well well put um yep i'm pretty cheesy too i was happy to 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 find out that my ease in dealing with the one reborn was repeatable that i could not attribute it to the uh to to the memory leak yeah yeah memory leak was not yeah me too if it wasn't effect, it didn't create that much of a difference so i will take victories where i can get them absolutely yeah yeah Emily writes in via the contact form saying, Whenever I pick up a new Souls game, I like to go slowly on my first run through a new area. I take time to learn enemy attacks, pause often to absorb the environment, and read item descriptions as I pick them up. Nightmare Yahar Ghoul was the first time I felt forced to run headlong into an area, knowing what was in store for me, uh, which was an intimidating difficulty wall at first. I found my first run to be very stressful, and I couldn't wait for the level to be over. Given some distance, I appreciated that they were uh, I appreciated what they were trying to do, especially since it shook me out of my comfort zone and forced me to play more aggressively. I remember feeling shaky by the time I reached the one reborn, hopped up on adrenaline from the bell maiden sections, fresh out of the trio hunter fight, and thoroughly blown away by the dramatic changes to the world. It reminded me of Silent Hill in the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, so we made a big uh, a big point in the early season to talk about how uh, Bloodborne kind of convinces you to play aggressively, and I think that's really made manifest in uh, in Central Yarnum. But as you get comfortable, you kind of fall back into a into a safer rhythm once mm-hmm. you figure out you know the rhythm of everything. I um, mean, I said rhythm twice, too close together. This is another kind of like cold splash of water to the face. I think. Yeah. Yeah, just, just in that, but it's a different, it's a different kind of water because yep. it's not trying to get you to fight aggressively because you know, trying to get you to move aggressively. Yeah. Fighting aggressively doesn't help you here. Right. You know, like it, it is kind of like, um, it's a cold splash in the face, but one that isn't the thesis of the whole game. Mm-hmm. It's just the thesis of the area yeah. or the, the tactic for the area. So it's like, it feels a little weaker to me, but it, like it, still, it repurposes it. Yeah. Yeah. But if you go into, uh, even the next area, like you, the first area, and then I guess that's actually kind of elegant because you, the first part of the next area you need to run through as well. <laughs> um, so, and then it kind of wears down. You can slow down once you get to the, I mean, we, we'll, we'll talk about that episode <laughs> at length, that area at length, but uh, it does kind of transition out, you know, kind of uh, gradually, which, which is nice. But like, whereas, you know, earlier when they're like fight aggressively, like I was like, okay, that's my advice for the whole game. Mm-hmm. And I, I dug that here. It felt a little bit worse. Like yeah. I still like it as a, as an area thing, but yeah. not quite as much. Um, yeah, but I, you know, not, uh, I, I agree on most other points mm-hmm. in that for sure. Um, the, uh, Mitch says via contact, Yarhagul is such a successful level. On one hand, it's a short story about a man who wanted to transcend and didn't care what or who he used to do it because of his recklessness, his apprentices, as well as the city were enveloped in the nightmare itself. You can't see what exactly that means until you yourself are taken, uh, you yourself have taken the proverbial veil off your eyes to see Yarhagul in its molested state. It is so disorienting to come here only to realize later on that it isn't what you thought just when you felt you had a firm grasp on the story. The sentiment is mirrored by this place mechanically. Functionally, you arrive here unprepared. You had to die to, uh, to get to the Hypogean jail, and that thing that killed you? Yeah, it's a regular enemy. Underleveled, you proceed to figure out how to play here only to have the rug taken out from underneath you when you see it for what it really is. All in all, this place is the Sparknotes version of Bloodborne. The way it interacts with the player sums up so succinctly what you would need hours to decompress uh, throughout the rest of Yarnum. Plus, fucking butt legs. I, I don't know what that means. I don't know. <laughs> is that a description of one of the enemies? 
Maybe yeah, the, fucking, the wonder porn. fucking butt legs. Um, is, is that a gerund? Is he is he describing something that you can do? Like you can you can you can fuck a butt leg. Uh, huh? No. No, I don't know. I like I was I'm trying to think back to the design of the um the corpse mine carts. See if they have butts or <laughs> butt legged. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a it's a real that's a real maybe this is a microcosm of his thesis on the level where that was a splash of cold water in the face <laughs> from the response. Like it just wheels within wheels. They're all as aching. What? Yeah, they're all as aching. They're all as aching. Um, yeah, I I I I have to disagree. Like I don't think it's the Spark Notes version of Bloodborne though. Yeah. Like it does like for things I just said in response to the last response. Like. <laughs> It's the Sparknotes version of of the area, mm-hmm. um, and it's successful in many many ways. But there are some things that kind of rub me the wrong way. No. Joseph writes in via the contact form saying the most disturbing concept of Lovecraftian horror is how these ancient beings have always manipulated mankind from the inside, remaining just out of sight. And here they are, colossal nightmarish creatures and the cultists that worship them. And they were chilling in the lower quarters of Yarnum all along, right under our noses. It's very important for Lovecraftian horror to stick the landing. The pagan idols and mad ramblings sprinkled throughout uh, the setup make you fill in the blanks with the most horrific shit your brain can cook up. Once you see the old ones and the true extent of their powers and corruption, they have to live up to these expectations. My first blind foray into Yahrgul proper was my favorite thing about Bloodborne. There is just so much creative energy on the screen at all times. The insane skybox, the environmental design that gets more and more disturbing the closer you look, the Cronenbergs that roam the streets, and of course, the enormous old ones finally on full display. For me, this area fully delivered on the promise the game made uh, when I first took a closer look at the statues in front of Amelia's Cathedral. Yeah, I, I dig that. Like, I, I think that is true. Like, where it is the, you know, you, earlier on, like, once you know something's wrong, you can try to imagine mm-hmm. what that is. And, like, you can make the argument, like, oh, whatever you imagine is actually scarier. Yeah. But they do a good job of being unexpected Yeah. in the way this is. Like, the actual just literal set pieces are things that I haven't seen, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in other in in other media and stuff. So, it... it it does fulfill the promise just by being surprising, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sticks it there. And again, you know, when we talk about, Oh, there's always something new waiting in the wings. Like there is a turn and this fulfills that turn. Yeah. It's not just Bergenworth, not just stuff that like directly thematically links to the ideas. Um, yep. but, uh, the extrapolations. Yep. Indeed. Um, Ben says by contact, I feel like the unseen village was the only misstep from, from soft, from, from soft, in the whole game. Although I loved many things about it, the difficulty spike was not only too steep, I was only able to overcome it in a way that felt a bit cheap. Villagers covering other villagers with firearms. Okay. Cthulhu monsters shooting lasers. Deal with it. Chime maidens reviving all your enemies. Well, I'll just run through and kill them. Surely they don't respawn, like the necromancers in... Oh, wait. Damn you, FromSoft. All this would be forgivable, except for that last area where all the witches are spamming you and the lasers are firing. <laughs> and where is that damn chime maiden? You just never get a chance to explore and find the broken fence where you can drop down and find her, which is also where you find the key to the best area in the game, in my opinion, the upper cathedral. It was this combination of all those things together that made this area not fun in my playthrough. Then I got uh, back to the, the jail with a broken lamp and new enemy placements and all was forgiven. Smiling <laughs> um, We didn't talk too much about how the jail is different when you come back. 
Um, but they do kind of subvert some of those um, enemy placement stuff. Yeah. They, 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 they replace it with stuff that obviously predated on the uh, on the stuff that existed before. Yeah. So like uh, these these kind of zombie werewolf mm-hmm. things, these beast creatures that, that you run into. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I would say it's too hard, but some of the difficulty decisions bothered me as well. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, again, it's a uh, it's it, it is a feature, not a bug, but uh, I, I you can be forgiven for thinking it. Yep. Again, that way. Uh, let's see here. Scott writes in via the contact form saying the insane revelation of falling through the lake and seeing Rom for the first time was so impressive. It did a great job of reassuring me that the elder God statues I saw in the Hypogean jail really was ultimately where the game was headed. After beating Rom and seeing the pale blood moon and weeping and the weeping figure, I was incredibly excited uh, for how off for how off the rails the narrative was venturing. Unfortunately, I was incredibly disappointed afterwards. The game goes so far off the rails that it sails straight past Lovecraft and loops back around to full Castlevania. The skybox is beautiful, but looks like a <laughs> looks like a rad metal album cover, not a spooky ambient album cover. The world is now very well lit, and instead of terror lurking in the corners, you're just playing a running <laughs> sorry, you're just playing as a running back uh, through an army dodging laser beams. Seeing the many lesser amygdalas has an initial impact, but the ubiquity soon means they're less impressive and creepy. The rest of the game largely continues to double down on the Castlevania feeling. I think perhaps it's a failing of any game that sets you uh, to defeat cosmic horrors uh, that it makes them feel so much lesser because they are both laid so bare visually and the fact that you can defeat them. I still love this game, but I can't help but think, man, I just wish it were more weird in the second half. Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I disagree. Like, I, I think it's really weird in the second half. Yeah. Like, I, and I think I like I have problems with this area and lots of problems with Bloodborne in general, but they're different problems than that. Yeah. Like, I didn't feel like this was very Castlevania. I felt like Hainhurst is really Castlevania. Mm-hmm. But this doesn't feel like this felt weird enough for me. Yeah. Um, I can I can see a little bit. And, you know, this is me kind of speaking on his behalf to you know, to to an extent. But, you know, it gets weird in, in the way that you that, that a video game would get weird. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yeah, like they just that idea that they're going to put this in front of you, and you're going to have to confront it using combat. You know, yeah. and there there is creepy stuff, but um, you know, you have to wonder if that would have been as fun to play. Um, and they just they just kind of made a decision that lent to better play. I think. I you know I don't I but I like my problems with it end up being with the play mm-hmm. in this area. You know, so it's not. I don't know if it's better. Th- play i just in my mind i just imagined a version of this city that had no enemies mm-hmm. can you imagine that like how that creepy sense of anticipation you'd have the entire time oh yeah like just exploring it exactly as it is with just mm-hmm. like non-aggressive amygdalas mm-hmm. that would have been you know like something like that like i think would have maybe hit what scott is looking for mm-hmm. a little bit better because he would have seen the actual weird stuff on display mm-hmm. and had a chance to to get it and also it's really subversive like yeah. game like i think part of what scott's saying is like games get harder as you get near the end Mm-hmm. You know, like you're just expecting like, oh, you're going to end up killing all these things. Yeah. And in the the margins, you know, in the, the lore and thematically, Bloodborne is not a kind of empowerment fantasy about that. Mm-hmm. Mechanically, you are just fighting stronger and stronger monsters until the end. Yeah. You know, so like the mechanics don't necessarily enforce the feeling of unease and cosmic horror that the the story and theme mm-hmm. set up. And I can kind of see that. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. I suppose that I that that I spoke inelegantly. They made a decision not for better play, but for a more conventional play. Yeah, 
yeah or yeah more yeah kind of expected i think that that's definitely mm-hmm. true yeah but uh that that is a cool thought experiment like take this difficulty wall and turn it into a breather level enter yeah turn it into just a sense of like a tension mm-hmm. you know like i because i would be so ridiculously tense mm-hmm. after going through all of the rom stuff which i already thought was like a really hard boss fight mm-hmm. you know just instead of just ramping up the difficulty more after a very hard boss fight just like what's next <laughs> oh shit like it just like oh. there's you know just this city to walk through and just hear you know your footsteps echoing through it and stuff like i think that would have could have been really incredible not to monday morning quarterback it too much but like <laughs> it just would have solved some of the problems that i had with it and it sounds like also scott had a problem you know, <laughs> to take all the play out of it yeah like it just like would have been and it would have been fine like it mm-hmm. would have like yeah. you could do that you know there's room for it's like a pacing issue mm-hmm. you know and like that's something that bloodborne has here in yeah. this end the little stretch is some kind of poor pacing like we never really get a breather yeah i, I would love yeah. i would love it if like i could see that being kind of cool if uh the once you once you take the veil down it actually sucks stuff into the nightmare as mm. opposed to the nightmare leaking out and having its influence yeah and like and and so like what you're what you're walking through is this abandoned quarter like where all of these preparations were done and everybody was like raptured into this other world that you're brought into yeah yeah, it succeeded, and this is what that success looks like. Yeah. Um, Doug says, via contact, I really enjoyed visiting Yahagul and seeing the, the phase transition here, but it was running into the One Reborn that sparked a lore thought, specifically about the relationship between the Great Ones and the Messengers. The doll refers to them as Little Ones, implying perhaps that they are either the stillborn children of the Great Ones, or perhaps humans, in particular hunters, that failed to properly ascend to Great One status. Uh, this seems to be reinforced by the messenger's ability to transform Voltron style into other entities. For example, both the Winter Lanterns and those poisonous Nightmare Frontier slugs have body parts that are made of messengers fused together. But upon coming to Yarhagul, it appears dead humans have this ability too. The casket turns out to be chained uh, because they are filling or because they are filled with living fused skeleton piles, <laughs> and the uh, the one reborn is an even larger version of the same thing. This jibes with the beginning of the game when it appears the messengers crawl uh, on top of and perhaps onto you. If any human transfused with the old blood goes through that process, then it seems virtually everyone in the game is pregnant with these little ones, and it seems to fit with the item descriptions. After all, why not let them be happy and revel as babes? And there's emphasis as on the babes. Yeah. <laughs> emphasis on the babes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I hadn't considered them to be the stillborn children, <laughs> the, the the stillborn children of the great ones. That's kind of cool, actually, that they I, become we, tenders. But we get those like we get yep. we get we get things that you could argue are the stillborn children of, of the great ones. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we get them. Um, we're coming up on 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 the next area where like I think that like that's what happens. Like they you know, they 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 yearn for the surrogate because they lose their child, you know, so the the children, the children, of the great ones aren't there. Mm hmm. Right, because if they were just messengers, then like, why would the great, each great one lose their child and yearn for a surrogate? They didn't lose them; they're just hanging out selling me shit, hmm. you know. Which is weird. Like, I don't, I don't, I, like, I feel like I, I think that we like stillborn children of great ones are accounted for, hmm. you know, and that's and that's why Yarnum has that bloody front, like bloody trouser front, yeah, and stuff like things things like that. So like, I, I might be getting a little bit confused as I mentioned in the main episode. Like I've been in a transitional period i've not had the chance to do the research i usually yeah. do uh, I'm, show, I'm curious but... as to what you're referring to about the stillborn are you talking about the the brain no well i think that's why i initially was talking about but then i was then i remember the umbilical cord descriptions yeah where it's like they lose a child and and but if they if they're just messengers mm-hmm. you know 
they haven't really lost anything. Like, that's weird. Yeah. You know, if, if those are like, that just doesn't seem like, I don't know what the messengers are exactly. Yeah, neither and do the, I. And, and so this, the, yeah, you're right. This does seem a little bit pat. Yeah, this, it seems it seems a little like a little bit of a stretch to me and a little bit convenient to just kind of fill in. I'm not putting you on blast, Doug, for that. Like, we, we do this all the time. But I, I don't know, necessarily know if I buy it. I'm still waiting to hear the explanation for messengers that isn't just like we needed something to give messages and be a merchant, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but the fact that they show up everywhere in chalice dungeons and everything, and the fact that I still haven't wrapped my head around why they are parts of those, uh, winter lanterns and stuff. But I don't yeah. think it's because they share the ability to Voltron yeah. with corpses. I think that was, I think the Voltroning with corpses was something that the Mensis was doing. Because yeah. We don't see that... it in other areas in the game. Right. Like, it, like the, the progression of this, uh, of, of the blood transfusion is the lore and silver bees like that's yeah. or or even dark bees parl right like that's that's as far as we see them go um and and you could probably uh look at the um the winter lanterns as you know something related to the doll and uh things kind of just the the ramifications of making artificial life and maybe yeah. these were used um as some kind of like oh they're just around i guess here in the nightmare same thing with the uh the the, the slug bottoms the, you know yeah they don't, the, I mean, I, those don't read to me like actual parts of those bodies. They kind of look like they're stuck there from being rolled around on. They could also just be a corrupt nightmare version of the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the, you know, the doll in the dream uh, provides a sucker and, uh, you know, is, is this kind figure that's mm-hmm. created to love you. And the messengers sell you things. And then those two things that you really love and depend on are, are kind of slammed together as the worst enemy mm-hmm. in the game. Yeah. You know, like it doesn't have to be that. Like, it could just be as simple as that. Like, those are a nightmare version of that thing. Yeah. You know? And and specifically, maybe even your nightmare or a hunter's nightmare, mm-hmm. where they are reliant on those two those two entities. Yeah. It doesn't have... I don't think it has to be any more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. It could be, but I don't think yeah. it's necessary. So, I, I, I'm not necessarily drawing really long lines between yeah. those dots. And I could even see, like, okay, if there's insight and the truth, you know, you, you know it, but it doesn't help you. Like, mm-hmm. the Nightmare version could also try, you know, be, be attempting to communicate something about the doll and the messengers to you, right? Because oh, sure. there are some sinister reads about the doll herself. So this, again, could be a mockery uh, to uh, show you something fundamental about them. But Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to round us out with Sean here, uh, who writes in via Facebook saying, Killing Rom revealed the consequence of the Mensis ritual, a town where the plane of the waking world is being overrun by the planes of the nightmare. The false projections of Amygdala indifferently survey the world, uh, most likely basking in the countless feelings of terror and fear uh, that the kidnapped victims of Mensis felt as they were harvested for ritual materials in this unseen village. The bell ringers, mad to Marian women, emerge from the nightmare to sow misfortune and malice uh, for any who draw near this place. I believe it is these women and their sinister bells that grant vengeance to the victims of Yahargul, letting them rise to exact vengeance upon the kidnappers that Mm. delivered them into the nightmare. Uh, Their greatest creation is the One Reborn, a mass of corpses created uh, from those who were harvested for the Mensis ritual. They created this behemoth to guard the crossroads between the waking world and the nightmare. This is, of course, the skeletal remains of Mensis, egotistical fools who practiced profane rituals in order to gain power beyond their understanding, but resulted in the death of countless innocents, their own annihilation, and a breach between the waking world and the nightmare." 
This is, of course, one person's humble interpretation, but it is the most Lovecraftian interp interpretation I can come up with, and therefore the one that I like most. Hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know necessarily that the the one we're born are the the Mensa school Mensas. I think those are the guys in the the cage hat. I think that's what he said. Um, what okay. would it, like that? That's what they were guarding. Like the the the, the corpses of the oh, Mensa school. The were, yeah, 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 that's what I was. Yeah. Okay, I missed a sentence of there. Mm -hmm. And reading that, but it's interesting the idea that the uh, Thumerians allow mm -hmm. the uh, the regular citizens to because they, you are just fighting citizens. Yeah. So you know, I mean, they don't have in Yar Yarnum they're aggressive because you know they they have been driven bad, mad by the beast plague or beast plague or you're the actual beast mm -hmm. um, depending on who you talk to. But the idea of them being here and they're they being the ones who killed the bagman because they got revenge on them is really interesting. Yeah. You know because uh, in that 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 could be the case. Yeah, I could Makes see sense. that. I mean, that seems like a good description to me. Yeah, I think so, yeah. too. Um, yeah, with that, I think we are about uh, about set. Yeah. Um, I don't really think we have deleted scenes. No, no, let's not let's not promise it. But if I find something for an Easter, day, Easter egg, I'll put it in. Yeah, yeah. It's also, and you'll notice this weird, just so you don't know anything is conspicuously missing. There are no show notes for this ex appendix. Yeah. Um, you know, we weren't as referential. I'm on a little bit of a time crunch, so... Yeah. Uh, I was trying to, I was being a taskmaster and I, I apologize for that. <laughs> yep. Everybody listening. Yeah. If you have any thoughts on the Nightmare of Mensis, that is the next kind of main uh, episode uh, that we're going to do, go to duckfeed.tv slash contact. Send those our way. You have a little bit of time because of that, uh, that special, but uh, sooner is always better. Absolutely. And uh, again, you can always support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv and or leave us ratings, reviews on iTunes um, or, you know, just tell, tell a buddy. Mm -hmm. I'll appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So until next time, what should they watch out for? Cool. Uh, and or do. <laughs> yeah. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Yeah. Yeah. Don't let dreams be dreams. <laughs>